I, uh, thank goodness. Thank goodness God is God. I get it. We're making God up. We really are. We're inventing God every day. Oh, no. God is this and God is that. I know. The problem is to say God is this and God is that is to limit God. And so I prefer to just use the word as a form of communication for all the bigness that is. That whatever God is, it's love. And it's willing for us all to be happy, joyous, and free. And it's good all the time, even if it doesn't feel good. It's so not human, and it's not limited. And within it, all good is possible. And within it, all horribleness is possible. And we get to choose. We get to choose, and that's so, so hard for some of us to understand, especially if we come from a more traditional background. We, st we still think that there's something going on outside of us that makes things happen. In, you know, at the end of a service, we get up and we let there be peace on earth and let it begin with me. We don't mean that. <laughs> we really don't. We don't mean that. We just think it's the end of the service and now we can go. Uh, let it begin with me. How ridiculous that peace is going to begin with me. I'd have to give up all my resentments. And I'm pretty mad. Some people have done me wrong. And until I get an apology, we're both going to hell. <laughs> and that's, that's the crazy part. Now, in unity, we don't really have a we don't have a heaven we go to. We don't have a hell that we go to. It's just a place we choose to think from. What that is. It's not, heaven and hell is not about later. It's about right here and right now. And which do I choose? Now today's talk, we've been doing a, a series on the ancestors of new thought. And this week, it's one of my favorites, it's Emma Curtis Hopkins. The grandmother of New Thought, or the teacher of teachers, as she was also known. Emma Curtis Hopkins was, uh, when was she born? I have it here, 1849, and she left us in 1925 on this physical plane. And she began, like 16 years old, she, she was not doing so well health-wise, and she went to stay with Mary Baker Eddy at 16, up in Boston, uh, Christian Science. And she proved herself to be a very worthy student early on, and she, uh, Mary Baker Eddy, make her, made her an editor of, the, of her magazine and, and some writings and stuff. And she did well for a while. And she had a great healing. <laughs> the problem was she began to uh, do some writing of her own. And she began to incorporate some other writing, writers of New Thought with great praise. And that was not welcome in the Christian science realm. So Mrs. Uh, Mrs. Eddie let her go. Scoop. You're no longer welcome here. Uh, and it really was kind of that blunt. We don't need you here. So she went, Mrs. Uh, Emma Curtis Hopkins went to Chicago and started the Emma Hopkins Metaphysical College where she went on, let me list all the people she ordained. Uh, Charles Amaro Fillmore, Founders of Unity, uh, 
H. Emily Cady, who wrote Lessons in Truth, our foundation book. Francis Lord, who I don't yet know. We may be discovering more about Francis later. Annie Ricks Millets, who we will be talking about. George Edwin, I don't know. Melinda Kramer, uh, co-founder of Divine Science. Ella Wheeler-Wilcox, which I believe we spoke about several weeks ago. Uh, Elizabeth Town, and uh, considerably later, Ernest Holmes, the founder of the Church of Religious Science. She came up with a system of daily practices. Actually, I'll relate this story that Eric Butterworth told about Ernest Holmes, that when he went to meet with Mrs. Hopkins, and it was later on in her life, much later on, he, he, uh, he, he went to meet with her at her offices and stuff, and he waited to get in, and when he walked in, she was sitting there in a very crisp black gown, a big hat, and she sat there, and when he sat down, she began to talk about God. And God in us, and as us, and through us. And she spoke for one hour about God. And then she stopped talking. And he realized, oh, his audience with her that day was finished. There was no small talk. There was no how are you. There was no how may I pray with you. She sat and talked of God. And he said that every visit he had with her after that was exactly like that. She sat in her crisp dress and she talked about God. She, there, there was nothing more for her at that point in life. She understood, oh, everything else is just personality. Uh, I, wouldn't that be difficult? How many of you would keep coming back to church if I just came up here, we had no music, we had no platform, we had no announcements, we had no food. You come here, you sit, I walk up on the stage and I start talking about God for an hour and then I walk off and into my office. Like, uh, you know, we like our personality in church, don't we? <laughs> we like to laugh, we like to sing, we like to think true thoughts and untrue thoughts. But, but we, we, like, we really enjoy our personality. So I think, well, for the time being, we're going to continue with our personality. Hey, Facebook Live. I, Mrs. Hopkins, some of her teachings I just love. I, the first book I ever uh, studied of hers and taught a class from was called Mental Science, Scientific Christian. And... I was to start that class, I, I, I called the class Accepting Your Good. But I did Y-O-U-R slash Y-O-U apostrophe R-E. So there was two different types of good, two different types of your. And I, I remember, it was a Tuesday morning and I was on my way to teach class. I lived on 44th Street and the 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 offices for Unity Classrooms, uh, Unity in New York, were on 30th Street. And I went to the, the bus station. In the bus station were subways. Port Authority. Port Authority. 40 seconds. I don't worry about forgetting things anymore. I just do. I just and and they, they come to me when, I, when, when they do. And so I, uh, I, I went in there. And thought, Boy, a lot of people here today. And I got down to Grand Central Station, not Grand Central Station, Penn Station. And I thought, boy, there's a ton of people in, in Penn Station. Oh, I didn't tell you. Uh, the, the class was to start September 11th, 2002. Oh. They had just bombed the first building, and I was on the subway headed to class. 
And I, I, I still didn't know what had happened. I got out the subway and I walked down from Penn Station to 30th Street and I get a call from, from one of the people who uh, was supposed to take the class said, hi, Sean, or, it was one of my best friends, actually. I had a cake because it was her birthday. We were going to celebrate. And, and, uh, and she said she was crying. I said, what's around? And she said, well, haven't you seen what happened? Haven't you been out? I said, yeah, it's beautiful out. And she said, well, the, a plane just hit the World Trade Center. Well, in my head, that meant, uh, you know, a tiny fraction of a wing near the building. And I said, well, okay, don't come. And then a friend of mine called from Brooklyn and said, Sean, I can't come to class today. This, I don't think the subways will be running. She still didn't tell me exactly what happened. She just said, I could see some smoke from my windows. And then somebody else called in tears. And that's when I got, oh, 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 oh. Somebody just ran a plane into one of the, the towers. And then I, or no, by that time, the second tower had been hit as well. And I thought, and we were to have Unity's World Day of Prayer the next day. And I was hosting it, co hosting it. And I thought, well, oddly enough, my, no, it wasn't my first thought. My first thought was, we'll probably need water tomorrow night. Let me run down to Whole Foods here on 7th Avenue. And as I was walking down 7th Avenue, all these people were at pay phones because their cell phones didn't work because the towers had been hit and knocked out. And I uh, thought, well, and then so that's a big puff of smoke go out. The building had collapsed. And so I got my water at Whole Foods and I went back to the office and I started learning. Nobody came. One person showed up for the meditation that morning before the class. So we prayed together. We talked for a little while, and uh, one other person came in, said, I need some prayer. So I, I just sat there all day taking calls and praying for several hours, uh, you know, not understanding. I remember one of my first thoughts, though, was, uh, I wonder if money is going to mean anything to, after today. Well, money's had the same, because so unity, so much of what unity teaches is prosperity. And if there's no money, we're going to be teaching a very different version of prosperity, so I began to look into that, and I, but I still, I couldn't help but miss what my class was called accepting your all, your good, accepting your good, and then what the, the person that came in, in mid afternoon she said, you know Sean we have to pray for the terrorists too. I said, oh, you're right. If we're all beings in God, we can't leave anyone out in our prayer. I don't know what just happened. I know that something violent happened, something horrifying happened to me, to a lot of people, and, uh, but I, don't, I can't presume to understand what violence is. It's, it's too much, it's, I can't understand that any more than I understand the bigness of God. I don't, I don't know what any of it means. And I'd rather not limit myself Two weeks later, oh no, actually that afternoon I, when I did walk home, I live on 44th Street, I called my friend Tom, and he said, oh, some of us, he, he was very upset, and he said, some of us are at my apartment here watching the news, would you like to come over? And I said, oh, that'd be great, thank you. And it's funny, he was one of the two people who brought me to Unity the first time, Eric Butterworth's Lincoln Center. And 
me, especially back then, getting on um, in my enthusiasm because you know, I, somebody reminded me today we have to pray for the terrorists too. And I was disinvited to his house. He said, "Maybe wow. it's better that you don't come." Because that group, that group conscious, wanted to be angry for the time being. And they didn't want me talking them out of it. That doesn't make them bad or me. Uh, it's just we got to go through what we got to go through and the way we have to go through it. I couldn't afford to be furious. I lived alone. I had a part, little apartment that I liked a lot. And I could not ruin all the spirituality I had been working for. Because, well, as we say, the unthinkable happened. And that really was an unthinkable event. Who, who could imagine? There's been a lot of those in our history. Not just recent history, but forever history. Uh, the atrocities man does to man. They're unthinkable. That's why I think that uh, they happened. Because even the people it was happening to couldn't imagine that someone would do this to another human being. So, so if, while they're walking to their death, no, this isn't really happening. No, this, this will end in a minute. No, and, uh, and I, I now know it can happen. I just don't know what it means. So, going back to Emma Curtis Hopkins here. I still have to believe what I believe if I am to claim hold of a connection with a God that is somehow good. But that good does not mean my body is always going to be here. And it could leave as I know it at any moment. And the funny part is, I am a, I'm rather arrogant because I think I should get to decide how and when it leaves. And that, that is my extreme arrogance. And what would, you know, what's, I always say, uh, I did, uh, my grandmother, I loved my grandmother. How is it fair that she left uh, when she left? And some somewhat I would call awful people, get to stay. How is it some people who are just the most horribly behaved have tons of money, and other people who we think really could use it? How is it that this lovely person fell off a curb today? How is it this person got into a traffic, a, you know, a car accident with a drunk driver? How is it that someone I love so much has a heart attack? How is it I've been well-behaved. How can I have a heart attack? How is it? I don't know, but it's been happening for an awfully long time. You'd think we'd get used to it by now. <laughs> if you read your Bible, as, I say, as I'm sure you all do. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that makes me laugh every single time. I say <laughs> This kind of awfulness has been happening between humans for such... I don't mean to bring you down today. The reason I talk about this is for us to realize, oh, I need to find a new way of thinking about this. If I'm living in fear, in misery, if I'm watching the news 24-7, if I am predicting and projecting that the worst is going to happen. Years ago, when there was a president in office, I'm not going to say which one, but it was a lot of years ago. And, and I said, pray for this person. They said, no, then they'll get what they want. And I said, 
We can only hope they do because what they want is joy. What they want is love. And joy-filled people don't hurt other people. That's how we pray for others. We affirm their highest joy, their highest being. It's not about, well, yeah, but they want to hurt me and they want to, you don't know that. Nobody wants to hurt anybody else. But people who are frightened, people who are confused, they think they have to take it from others, right down to life and money and property and all that stuff, they have to take it in order for them to get through, and they never are satisfied. A thief is never, ever satisfied. And we would do well to remember that for people we know who steal. These people are never, ever satisfied. There's a couple of things. One thing, they've always got to steal more. And the other is, they've always got a secret. And they've always got an unrest inside of them. Because they, they have a great longing of their souls. As, as Myrtle Fillmore taught us in the... In the how to let God help you book. Great longing of our souls, and we keep trying to satisfy it through the flesh, through, the, through what we can touch, through matter, and it never, ever satisfies. The only thing that will satisfy is what we call God. The only thing that will satisfy is knowing love, the experience of love. And it's not how much somebody else loves us. The experience of love is how much I am willing to love myself and how much I am willing to love my fellow beings and not just the ones I like, but all that are. And I know what a tough challenge that is. And I imagine you guys do too. It's hard to love everybody every day. And here's what makes it so hard. How many of us remember every day or a hundred times a day to ask, to go within and ask, how do I love this being? How do I love myself? How do I go about doing that in its purest way? And Emma Curtis Hopkins taught about this. I, 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 this is a, one of her affirmations was, there, or this is a, oh, there is good, excuse me, there is good for me and I ought to have it. Now there's an implication there that I don't yet have it. There is good for me and I ought to have it. But you can, so if you look at it, there's good for me, but, and I ought to have it. The next part is, and how do I give it to myself? It's not how do I get it, but how do I give it to myself? How do I give myself that good that is right here for me? Well, the obvious to me, answer to me is have a new thought about it. Think differently. Think differently about abundance and think differently about lack. And uh, so I'm, I'm going to read a series of affirmations that she had. The good I am seeking is my God. My God is my life. The good I am seeking is my health. God is my health. The good I am seeking is my strength. God is my strength. The good I am seeking is my support. God is my support. The good I am seeking is my defense. God is my defense. Say, what do I have to defend against? Well, it's not defending against so much as keeping up a mind state of health and well-being and harmony. Life is God. Truth is God. Love is God. Substance is God. God is intelligence. Omnipresent. Omnipotent. Omniscient. God is life. Omnipresent. Omnipotent. Omniscient. God is truth. 
omniscient, omnipotent, omniscient. God is love, omnipresent, omnipotent, omniscient. God is spirit, omnipresent, omnipotent, omniscient. This is a good statement of good to read daily. If you want, want it from me, I'll send it to you. I'll tell you how to find it on Google. So, her, and so now, Emma, Emma Curtis Hopkins' five universal affirmations are, my good is my God, my God is life, truth, substance, intelligence, love, omniscient, omnipotent, omnipresent. In God, I live and move and have my being. I am spirit, mind, wisdom, strength, wholeness. I am works inevitably through me to will and to do that which ought to be done by me. I am governed by the law of God and cannot sin or fear sin, <coughs> sickness or death. I want to repeat that. I am governed by the law of God and cannot sin or fear sin, sickness or death. The basis of this scientific spiritual practice is that everything is spirit. Everything. So the truth is, in spirit, not in matter, in spirit... And Emma Curtis Hopkins, the only time she will use the word evil is meaning the times that we forget that we are good or in spirit. It's like sin. Sin is missing the mark. So an example uh, of this stuff, since God is not absent and spirit is not absent, good must be here. And that's one of the hard things. Wait a minute, this, this awful thing happened and good is here? Just say yes and then become willing to see it. Uh, and she says, there is no evil, series of denials here, there is no matter, there is no absence of life, substance, or intelligence, there is no thing to hate, there is no sin, sickness, or death, meaning anything you witness that you would call sin, sickness, or death is an illusion because it's temporary, based on a temporary thought. That's why it's not a reality because it's always temporary. And so on that, uh, uh, two weeks after 9-11, I went downtown on a Sunday evening because I wanted to see what Ground Zero looked like. And I got out of a subway several blocks away that was open, and I uh, walked as close as I could. I was, you don't know where Century 21 is down there, or was down there on that street. So I stood, that's about how far clo how close you could get. And it was a Sunday evening. And it was still slightly daylight. And it was misting. Just a little ever slight mist. I could still see the sun setting over Jersey. And you remember those two pieces that were pieces of building that were like this. And it was still smoke coming up out of the ground. And I looked at it. Now, people around me were very upset and crying and whatever. And I looked at it. And what I saw was art. I saw natural sculpture and art. If I took the story out, out of how it got that way, I, my vision saw, oh, it, it was actually quite beautiful looking if I took the story out of it. If I, you know, you know we, we can go to a museum and see extraordinary works of art and have no idea what the artist was thinking when they created it. You know, if, if Rembrandt, Drawing Mona Lisa, that's so famous. I hate my mother, and I don't imagine. <laughs> but we don't think in those terms. My sister, blur. 
<laughs> you know, and it's like my third grade teacher. <laughs> and we don't do that. We say, oh, look at this extraordinary piece of art. And do you know why so many of us think it's an extraordinary piece of art? Because we were told to think that. <laughs> I was told, oh, the Mona Lisa. Yeah. I've seen it. <laughs> I was right there, I, you know, right up next to this tiny, actually tiny painting. I'm like, oh, well, okay. Now what? <laughs> it, it, it didn't thrill me. And so, so to look at, but the, when I saw that expanse of what had once been the World Trade Center, which, remember, started as an idea. It started as a thought, as do all things. And to look at that, and I thought, isn't that interesting? If I don't have a story here, it's kind of beautiful. It's now become a piece of nature. And so I wanted to see God in this. I've been taught, I think it's Course of Miracles that teaches us where man has placed the problem, God has placed the solution. Kenneth sang all those lyrics about God is in the this and God is in the that. You know, God is in the, 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 the tongue piercing. Who thinks in those terms? Well, that writer did. Now we do. <laughs> because we were told to. God is in these chairs. Let me tell you, we used to have folding chairs here that weren't all that comfortable. And one day I thought, we could have nice chairs. Other churches have nice chairs. We could have nice chairs. And I was invited to this real, really dreary spiritual event in the city at some big church. And I did not want to participate in the wailing wall that they did there. And I did not want to. So I just sat quietly against the wall. And I thought, oh, this is a nice chair. <laughs> and I, I turned the chair upside down and said, oh, Bertolini. Okay. And I came back the next day here to my office. And I looked it up, and I saw they cost like 56 or $57 a piece. And I thought, that's manageable. Let's do it as a fundraiser. People can buy their own chairs. And we did. We set out. We, we ordered 100 chairs. And 94 of them were bought by the congregation. And we had a prize. And for every chair you bought, you got a raffle ticket. I had just been to Hershey, and I bought a five-pound Hershey bar. So the winner, whoever got the drawing, got a five-pound Hershey bar. Now, this was a fun event. We had a guest singer here one day, on Sunday, who brought his like eight-year-old son. And, and the singer bought a chair. And then his son said, Dad, buy more chairs. I want to win that candy bar. He said, I could buy you a candy bar. Well, <laughs> that's money. But, and so, God is in the chairs because we had such joy and we had such fun and we built community. We built togetherness out of complaints about uncomfortable chairs and those chairs were a treat here at one time those chairs were a big deal in the development of unity center of norwalk then called unity fellowship church because they people were bringing their own folding chairs at one time in the beginning and so those folding chairs about a dozen of them we have at home now because we bought from from well, we sold off the folding chairs for like five dollars a piece David and I bought a bunch. A lot of people bought a bunch uh, for entertaining and stuff. And so to pay attention to all that, pay attention. Oh, good keeps coming and keeps coming and keeps coming. And I don't understand why we have to keep trying to destroy ourselves and the earth to find the next good. And I know it happens a lot. And I don't understand why we kill people, our fellow being, because of race, creed, or religion. 
I don't understand why we hurt each other. I don't understand why I character assassinate someone in my day because they looked at me the wrong way, they spoke to me the wrong way, because I'm out of sorts. I don't understand why I would do that. And so I need to not look into why I do it so much as spirit. Tell me how I can love this person, even though five minutes ago I forgot to love them. Spirit, tell me how to do that. The why doesn't matter. I'll spend for, I'm gonna have to make up the answer to why, but how, how can I do this? Because I go to church and I study New Thought Spirituality. I studied Emma Curtis Hopkins. When I read, there is no evil, there is no matter, there is no absence of life, substance, or intelligence, there is nothing to hate, there is no sin, sickness, and death, I believe that in truth. I absolutely do believe that, but it doesn't mean I behave that way all the time. And so, I need to look at that. How? How can I live the spiritual life I want to live, that I long for, and how do I do it all the time? Start, for, start with, I have to forgive myself for having forgotten to do it 10 minutes ago, 20 minutes ago. I have to forgive that. And that doesn't mean, oh, it doesn't matter. It does matter. Because forgetting begets more forgetting. Before I end here, I'm just going to read a series of affirmations of, uh, of uh, Mrs. Hopkins. I'm going to read a series of... Uh, <laughs> watch this talk to me. Uh, uh, the world... Shut up! I love you! <laughs> the world will persist in exhibiting before you what you persist in affirming the world is. We all hear that. The world will persist in exhibiting before you what you persist in affirming the world is. So if you don't like the world you see, any second, affirm something else. Insist on seeing it better. Spirit, show me the good in this. If God is your world, what have you to fear? So if I'm living in fear, God is not my world, my mind, and my thinking. You have no idea how much of the inefficiency of mankind comes from thinking about the wrongdoings of others and of ourselves. There is nothing more miserable than to feel that by some mistake in life you have not amounted to what you might have and that your misfortunes all hinge on that mistake. I do not believe in a mixture of good and evil in the world or in myself, all is good. And finally this one, when the Lord is your confidence, you will never find yourself at all deceived by the ways and speech of men and women though they may be very brilliant. If they speak outside of the principle that demonstrates healing and goodness and life. God is in all, including each and every one of us and each and every one of them and all of that stuff. Let's insist on seeing it. Thank you.